You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Claret and Blue podcast. I'm James Russian, uh, joined by uh, two people far more knowledgeable, attractive, more presentable, <laughs> more passionate probably about Aston Villa than myself. It's of course John Townley and Ashley Peace. Have, uh, Ashley Priest, sorry, of uh, Birmingham Live. But you feeling at peace then with uh, how Villa are doing, Ashley? All good. Oh, well, I like, like what you did there, James. Yeah, it's better after a win after the weekend, isn't it? Going into a fresh new week now and got some tough talent challenges coming up, haven't we? Chelsea at the bridge on Wednesday, Old Trafford, Saturday early kickoff, and I know that's what we want now, doesn't it? Test ourselves against the big boys, and a good chance to progress in the cup and get some minutes in, in the legs of some squad players. So, yeah, still reveling in the moments. Um, were you both there at the weekend as well? Just crazy scenes again, wasn't it? Just exploding into life. There's something about it, never turn late kickoff, isn't there? They can come back every week, uh, John, can't they? If, if they want. How, how did you find it, mate? Uh, all good? Yeah, it was, it was like a replica of um, the first season back, wasn't it? Was it yeah. nil-nil when it last season, obviously, with fans on the stadium? So then to put the you know performance that we did, fans rocking at Villa Park, 20-minute cameo from Bailey winning us the game. Yeah, great, great evening. So I think we were all at the last time we played Everton at, at Villa Park with fans around and that was obviously I guess it goes down in legend now it's one of the, one of the more electric nights at Villa Park bizarrely I think it was a Premier League return but you know what what was the context for for this time it, it was another you know we've already been at Villa Park twice it's just Everton turning up I think it's something about them half five kickoffs as well where yeah. I wasn't always a fan of them but I think it, it gets something out of the fans I think probably the fact that they are out a bit longer than than they are before 3 p.m but how does it compare how did it compare because i think Ash, that, that might have been one of your first games or report reporting yeah. on the villa because yeah, yeah, I, I look back on on if i'd made anything of it and i i wasn't even you know the, the path we've all been on since then you know i i it wasn't in the birmingham mail or anything it was a uh, course on, on on the old blog i used to write for mm-hmm. and yourself john so you know the the journey that the, the club has been on you, you can see in real time the last time we faced Everton. It's been, it feels like six, seven years. It's it's a long yes. time, and um, I guess what you know, I'm trying just trying to look for 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 a deeper meaning because the fans were well, well, well up for it. I mean, first off, that got singing pre-match. First off, may have been a bit drab, but John, what did you make of the atmosphere? Kind of the second half, what was you know, what would you rate it? Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant atmosphere. I think you say under the lights, Villa Park, Villa Park there's probably no place you know like it. Um, and I think that's exactly what the players um, look forward to as well. I remember when um, in the summer, when yeah, even even last last year as well, like Ollie Watkins was always saying about the players that were really there, always saying about just wait till you see Villa Park full, um, jam packed. And obviously, we forget that those players, Martinez as well, probably haven't had an atmosphere like, like that at Villa Park. Um, obviously, missing out on last season's fans as well. Um, but no, top atmosphere and obviously got the got, got the boys going, got, got us through the game. Um, and yeah, a brilliant win. And I think it was a really good performance considering, you know, what was different as well, having a full strength team and pretty much a different system as well. I don't think we've had that system at Villa Park for, for quite some while as well, playing with wing-backs. Um, so it was all a bit different. But then I think especially you saying the second half, it all sort of got going. Bailey lifted everyone. Um, and yeah, more of that, please. What about yourself, Ash? Because I think... Obviously, that being one of the first games that you reported on, must the atmosphere there? Of course, we've already mentioned it was really dynamic, electric. When Al Ghazi got through, I think my ears were like tearing. It's like you yeah. don't hear that outside, like of a concert or a gig, yeah. or, you know, a nightclub being next to the speakers. So your laptop must have been like shaking at that time. How does it kind yeah. of compare the two it's games? 
it's quite similar, really. The sun's just setting at Villa Park. Yeah. I mean, it's quite a balmy, balmy afternoon. Um, I mean, it's quite warm still, and everyone's up for it. And then just once that first goal goes in, because when Cash scored at the weekend, then I think Ramsey went through, and it was all, all guns blazing. Then let's, let's go at the throat, basically. And the fans fed off that. And it was like that when, when Wesley scored as well in the first half in 2019. Once the Villa scored, then let's go for big time. We're on the backs now, and we're peppering him in the end. And that, that's how it was. At the weekend, and Bailey come on and did his stuff as well. The goals are rattling in. There's no place like it, and um, and that bodes well now. I think the players will feed off that. The fans will feed off that, and these Wolves next at Villa Park, and I think this this home form now could really kick into gear. Um, still unbeaten there, of course, this season, dating back to 2015, and a bit of a run now at Villa Park. So hopefully that continues, and I think the players will be buzzing now. Liam Bailey, but I can't wait to be back out there. So yeah, bodes well. No place like it in the Premier League for me. Um, when, it, when he's rocking like that and fans played their part players played their part as well and no better feeling is the James no it's a first match I took my girlfriend to in a, a few years and she decided she wanted to come 10 minutes before he left <laughs> <laughs> so uh, onto the phone to the ticket office um, pretending to be with my dad she probably shouldn't say, <laughs> say out loud but um, I had to buy a ticket about 20 rows in front and she was with my dad and my brothers and I was just next to this guy um, called Kevin it was brilliant he was like picking brilliant. up a you know, amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. He said I can come every week, but, you know, fair play. <laughs> I, want to, I do want to sit with my family. But it, it goes to show you that, you know, you can land anywhere at Villa. And if the, if the atmosphere is right and the, the football's there, you know, and not you know not a night game, but a 5.30 kickoff is something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. I'm not to labour, you know, <laughs> labour the points too much, but ideally we don't finish, what, 17th yeah. <laughs> this season after yeah. that. But, uh, John, it feels like no chance of that, right? It feels like it was a, you know... A pretty impressive performance as the match grew on, and um, settling into that new formation. Thoughts on the, on the game in general? I think. Yeah, I think it was the performance that we needed um, after a bit of a stuttered start. But obviously, you, if you contextualise that with the injuries we've had, the COVID disruptions, obviously both Emmys going on international breaks as well. We've had a lot of we've had a lot of off the field um, issues, disruptions. Um, so I think we needed that performance against a good Everton team. Maybe not on. Yeah, on the night because they had quite a few injuries. But that's the team that was unbeaten in the Premier League and quite hard to um, break down, obviously, being a Rafa Benitez team as well, especially in the first half. Um, but no, I think it was a performance we needed, as I say, and I think the game's coming up as well. Um, they looked tough on paper, but I think, again, you, we almost need that sort of level of opponent. No disrespect to your Brentfords and your Newcastles and, and your Watfords, because obviously we didn't win all of those games anyway. But we need that level of opponent now to really get back into gear and um, really kickstart the season. Um, but now the performance against Everton was exactly what we um, what, what we needed. And I think it was coming as well because we have real quality in that team. Um, Emi Buendir, the player with you know, the record club buys on the bench and we didn't even see him. He's, I don't think he would have been mentioned on any sort of um, uh, column inches this weekend, you know. So we've we got plenty to look forward to as well, which is um, obviously a massive positive as well. I think the column inch for Buendir is reserved to mention it. The record buy uh, didn't fly and he was on the plane back. Um how do we get these guys in? Actually, it's a good part of the debate. Is got the, I think the, the the debate about Ings and Watkins is always oh you're gonna have to probar the, the pair of them in, them in. But when you think of Bailey Buendia, how is this working in your head? Because it doesn't work in my head. I, know. I think Smith went for it at the weekend, didn't he? I think he brought Target off and brought Bailey on. I thought go on there, yeah. go on the left and just play high, and we'll get a break. And I think he's going to go for it. I think I think he tried to do that in the, the promotion year, didn't he? he got his but his fingers burnt, as, as it were. And I think he's, he's got the, the uh, talent to do so now, to, to fully go for it. I think he'll change systems as and when needed. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 
I mean, he could play Bale on the left hand side and just just go for it in, in, in that sense. When they are now does he fit in? It's it's, it's a puzzle these people have, have to solve, and the horses, of course, he's, he's told me. So it's good options to have, James. I mean, I mentioned it the weekend. I said that there's ninety million pounds worth or so on the bench for Villa, like John, like John said. Burned in and get on, which shows you everything. I don't think Everton could name nine subs, given that their squad of late. So they've got a healthy squad to choose from now, and options are there. And it's going to be healthy competition as well. When they want to play every week, wouldn't they? And it'll be, be determined to do so when he gets when he gets onto the pitch to say, "I want to start next week." And performance levels are going to go up, and that can only be one thing. And they're going to go up. So, yeah, I'm not too not too confirmed, concerned when it's going to go. When players going to go in, but it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant problem to have. I think, I think if you think about it, one of the conversations that ironically came up between myself and my new friend Kev was, look at the options you've got on the bench. You know, it was you know he brought up Neil Taylor a few times, which I thought was unfair. <laughs> and Neil Taylor didn't ask to be you know suddenly you know Premier League starting a uh, sign quality. Did it? He did a job. But um, when you got you know Ashley Young, of course, you had Leon Bailey. You know, on yeah. the bench, you you've got options there. Got plenty of options, you know, going forward as well when players heal and the youngsters, Philogene and Badace and Carney yep. Chukameka when they're, when they're involved, when Aaron Ramsey's kicking on, whatever happens with Louis, Louis Barry at Ipswich, I know he's not being used if he if he comes back. There's going to be so many options for Villa, which is absolutely bizarre. To have. And we've always had options, let's be honest. We've always we've, we've been able to fill a bench unlike Everton, but it's just the quality of yeah. options, I guess, John. Um, forced into an early change, actually, John McGinn, I think, concussion protocol. Bizarre when you're a fan because you, you're just like, oh, there's a fourth substitution. All of a sudden, you have to kind of, you know, you, you have to make that leap. But, you know, the concussion protocol was used. John John McGinn goes off um, with, with the, the dizziness that he, he brought up, kind of Dean Smith brought up afterwards. Um, how do you think that affected the game? Because I thought John McGinn started the game well, but Villa win win without him and Douglas Louise is then the creator. What do you think of that midfield three? How it looks going forward? What do you think of the impact in the first half and the second half? Yeah, I, I think in general playing that system of a wing-back system, we were all, well not everyone, but a lot of fans are crying out for that number six, that um, big dominating number six. But I think Smith in the back of his head probably thought, well, do I need that if I'm going to play a midfield three mm-hmm. in front of a back three um, or a back five at times? So I think when when you when you can mix and match with Ramsey, McGinn, um, the Camber coming off the bench, Douglas Louise, Chukamaker coming into the fold as well, I probably missed out a few as well. So you have got different options there, and you're not so reliant on players being fixed to those roles because Douglas Louise can cross over with McGinn. McGinn's obviously quite unique um, in how he plays, but all these players have got similar attributes, and I think that works quite well. It blends pretty well from midfield three because um, they can all push on, they can all do a bit of the um, the dirty defensive work as well. So when McGinn came off, I think that obviously um, limited us to some some extent because McGinn is a he's, I think he started the season really well. He's he's obviously said himself he's much leaner, much more physically um, capable of grafting around the pitch now um, than what he was perhaps after he picked up that injury against Southampton back in 2019. Now, um, no, I, th- I think we got plenty of options to mix and match, and I don't think the midfield is necessarily the problem that a lot of supporters thought it might have been um, when the season got going. Um, but I think in general, just having that capability to to play different systems and I think Smith if the one thing that he, we all knew him by as a coach before Villa was that he always played a 4-3-3 with Brentford with a little you know diminutive number six like a Ryan Woods or something and that was almost Douglas Louise for a large part of last season and the season before um, but now we've seen a wing-back system and it's all more expansive different options so it, you know I'm no surprise with Aaron Danks coming in as well that we're trying different things and playing two up front now so the club's taken it in a different way, um, and I'm sure that's a lot of that's down to Dean Smith as well, of course. Um, but no, I think that's a really good 
really good sign that when McGinn does come off, you still win the game 3-0 and we're still full throttle because obviously John McGinn's the player there that you look towards to to kind of, you know, get you going. Um, Brick taking the ball from defence to attack and, you know, so obviously the crowd helped us as well. But I think the system um, certainly helped. So... I think I really want to bring up Jacob Ramsey. Uh, it's always like Rouch now on, the, on this podcast yeah. because he starts and he's like, oh, why is he in front of Chukwemeka, et cetera, et cetera. Fans kind of want to, you know, some fans want to see that change. Like Chukwemeka's a star boy. He's a legend of the future. But Jacob Ramsey is coming kind of quietly, I guess, to start the season. Big boy performance against Chelsea. But this one, I think it was more, it, was, it wasn't the highlight. It wasn't the highlight reel. It wasn't kind of taking the headlines, but it was a, a really, really steady and strong performance from him. What, what did you make of uh, make of our mate? Yeah, I mean, he just glides on the ball, and he really nice on the eye in central midfield, and he's, he knows he can do it at this level now. Um, a child's performance was a real coming of age one, and against Everton at the weekend, again, it was another 8 out of 10 display, and in front of a Bain, Villa Park, who, who won every ounce of blood off, yeah, he, he gave it on back, and... He was everywhere, looking not to score. Tough for him if he scored, but yeah, he's had a fine start to the season. A Premier League performer now in his own right, and his value is rocketing by the week. I mean, what's he worth now? Twenty million. He's a twenty-year-old kid here, who's um, got a handful of Premier League starts under his belt, and he's an England under twenty-one international as well. So, bodes well. He'll keep he'll keep working hard at the body more, and I think Smith deserves credit in the ways he's um, he managed him. He rejected countless loan offers last last summer, kept him around the group, and that, that's. That's brought him on another level now. So, yeah, fantastic. So, I mean, in Villa's Arsenal, um, a player who, who can do it at the level now. So, yeah, really pleased. Um, another note as well I wanted to make as well about the set pieces as well. I thought they were very good at the weekend. I like the one yeah. where Cash went short to target. Target launched it in and Villa were close again. But, and yeah, from a throw-in as well, Cash thrown to Danny Ings. Danny Ings booted it to Bailey. Goal and from the corner as well was very good. I thought Villa set pieces under Austin McPhee now. Were very dangerous, and that's another string to their bow as well. So, what John said about the coaching side of things, I think it's all bodes well. Systems in place, and they've got the personnel to do it as well. Yeah, I'll come back to you, Ash, on actually on the set pieces, and uh, I'm going to bring up a number. And I know Pat Pat is kind of producing this episode in the background. Stats Pat, he's going to be banging his keyboard. I can hear it from here. Um, yeah, Pat, what? Say, <laughs> yeah, taking his job. Um, in terms of shot creating actions, um, Konza is at. 0.8 per 90 so per game from 0.14 last season and Mings at 1.25 per 90 which is up from mm. uh, 0.39 last season so the, the sample size look it's tiny it's like four or five games um but there are only two in terms of the overall figure cons is gonna eclipse his tally from last season in terms of these shot creating actions he made four Mings made 14 so obviously he's always had that impact but it's how that, that impact is progressing. They, they are making a lot of impact early on in, in the expected goals. Mings and Cons, it's early doors and Villa haven't created a great deal, but they're right up there yeah. in the early stage of the season. It just goes to show you what these set pieces are doing. And I want to see if there's any insight you could kind of give us from, from your space because Austin McPhee was, it looked like he was having some right words yeah. throughout the entire game. <laughs> so, you know, they are concentrating on something, you know, when we're always going to dig out Danny Murphy on this about why the Villa need a set piece, set piece coach, but they're using two massive, massive physical assets in, in the way Konza and Mings and, and the substitute and the rotation defenders in your Axel Transabi, your Courtney Horse, how they can win a ball and knock it down and it's working. That's what 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 is going on there. 
<laughs> needs to give some credit to the, the claret towel as well. Matty Cash uses as well. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole squad thing, though, isn't it? It's it like is. you've got Matty Target, Ashley Young, try, you know, Ashley Young, fair play, trying to launch it in. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, really interesting dimensions of Villa this season. I think they're trying to hit Kanta, first contact at the back post, and it, he heads it across. You've got Fox in the box, like Danny Ings lurking around, and, and, and Ming's still in there, and, and Watkins, and McGinn gets forward now and again. So, flooding the box, and they're making the opposition think and panic a little bit, and it's going to bode well. They're going to score goals from it. So, long may that continue. I think Austin McPhee deserves huge credit for coming in and, and, and instilling his, his methods so, so quickly. Um, I know they have all week to, 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 to practice it, but it's coming out in there in the weekend. Everyone can see it. And uh, it's going to make Villa stronger, and I'm all for that, and long may it continue. Yeah, need more specialist coaches. We need the goal kick coach. Um, ah. I mean, certainly not to dig out another team, but West Ham could have had that penalty <laughs> penalty coach. Uh, penalty yeah. coach, Sean, just tell him where to hit the ball, man. That's all you need to do. But, uh, <laughs> John, like we brought it up in the last podcast, the important set pieces to Villa. It's not just that, though, the open play. What do you think um, um, in the podcast previous when we've reviewed games, we've, it's always been set pieces, set pieces, set pieces. Was there a bit more from open play this time, do you think, as well as the set pieces? In general, though, when, when you've got, again, let's say like a Bain crowd, I think Everton were kind of bound to sort of um, retreat at times and that obviously lets us play a bit more than what we would away from home, for example. Um, but now it's on the set piece as well as Ash says. Like, I think the rate at which we're 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 learning um, Austin McPhee's methods as well because it seems quite simple to just lay it short to target, target gives it to Conte, Conte back, and then Mings to things. Um, but these things take time, um, and getting methods across isn't easy. Uh, we've seen this right. If, if it was that easy, every club would do it because we're with the lap show like ten years. You launch a ball into the box, and more often than not, you'll probably score. So why don't more <laughs> teams do that? You know. Um, so there's obviously a method to it. Uh, I, I watched Cheltenham Town almost every game last season and um, they basically got promoted no disrespect to Cheltenham but they used a long throw almost every single um, opportunity and scored almost every single game from a long throw um, and I thought this clubs need to use this and if you've got someone like Mike Cash who can hurl the ball into the box I'm sure there's plenty of other players who can do it so I'm not sure why it's only Villa that really um, make use of a long throw mm-hmm. list um, you know Smith said as well in the summer um, you're reading a David Moyes article from from, an, from, from some sort of outlet and he said um, the throw-ins were going to be the next big thing and it kind of they almost got lost in you know six seven years of Guardiola trying to play football incredibly beautiful and then you know everything happens with Jurgen Klopp's uh, heavy metal football but then everyone just forgot the long throw in the set pieces like, it's a massively important side of the game and if we can make full use of it um, you know why not Absolutely, I think you 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 completely agree, and uh, kind of brings me up to a point. And this is a a point that will it's very relevant to Aston Villa, but um, AFC Wimbledon, like you said, with the lower leagues, there's a lot of kind of ingenuity that has to happen there, yeah. where you know the finances are tight. So you see your long throws, you see your set pieces. AFC Wimbledon have a substitutes coach, and they don't call them substitutes anymore. They call them finishers because they come in and finish the game. Ash, there's no better finisher, Aston Villa, in terms of coming in and finish a game like Leon nice. Baylor, twenty minutes, mate. He came, he saw he conquered. He's, he's, <laughs> he's off now, yeah. Real Madrid, 60 million. That's his last guy. <laughs> yeah. I've had, I've had a good feeling about him. Uh, obviously, that, that little, after 10 minutes at Watford, that cross from McGinn, he showed, he showed him off then. I, I had a great view at Stamford Bridge last week. Um, so so close to the pitch level. And just his feet in close control. I thought, Villa on summit there. And he backed it up this week as well. Um, I just knew he was going to score. Once he headed it, once that head out, like Mark Lowen-esque, nodded it down. He unleashed Hellfire, that's bang. And I just knew, I knew before that, I thought, here we go. And then it, the place erupted. He's got a devastating left foot, as we all know, and he hit it too hard. Like, but, um, but yeah, serious play on our hands now. I think Villa can kick into gear now. Smith's got his squad. 
um, together. And Bailey's going to be the star. I, I fully believe that. I mean, I mentioned it in, in my piece. Where he's had 85 minutes of Villa action, two, uh, two assists in a goal already. Um, he's had performing that kid who he sold for 100 million at the moment as well. So, yeah, um, bodes really well. He's only 24 as well, James. Dean Smith was asked about his age and his, his development as well. He's excited to take him to the new level as well. He's, he's, he's been around the block, Champions League football, Europa League. He's played in different countries. He's acclimatised and, and the Premier League's got a new star here and really going to be the big beneficiaries of that. Can't wait to see him in action this season and hopefully he's OK for, for Man U at the weekend. I can't see him being risked at Chelsea. But yeah, finally got the player on our hands to, to work in week in, week out and hopefully he stays injury-free. It's ironic about that injury, though, isn't it? Because it happened during the shot. I mean, it's a tight, tight quad, obviously, from a shot. We've all, we're all played a bit of football here. We all know about <laughs> the tight quads when you're taking a goal kick like me and you can't play anymore. Um, but yeah, I wonder what would, I, you would never wish injury on a player like Leon Bailey. But what, what's going to have to, when he tears it for a shot and he takes a halt end out, going to have to put a Spex Barry up or something. What was your reaction like coming off, though, Ash? Because it seemed, it, it seemed like a really bad thing, but it doesn't seem. Like a, a problem, it's like, yeah, 20 minutes in out. I was a bit yeah. sore, game done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a lot clever, really. Didn't want to risk it anymore. I said, I've done my bit, the game's <laughs> I want to get myself over Man U, hopefully. And he said that afterwards, hopefully, it's not too serious and it's a, a precaution. But yeah, I think Bailey had, had pace, genuine pace now. I mean, I've seen some articles, uh, his speed levels and all sorts. He's one of one, he's up there with the Premier League's best now in terms of speedsters. So I think Villa have needed pace, haven't they? I don't think Al Ghazi and others, Bertrand Troy, I've got that, that genuine pace. So I think he adds that, that dimension. And Smith, Smith mentioned this countless times, defenders hate pace. And um, he's just going to run, run, run defenders ragged this season with the whole team behind him, Villa Park rocking behind him, willing his every move. I think he's going to be a star, mate. Yeah, oh, can't wait to see more of him. We've got yeah, yeah. literally lots in him, but I, I think we was always going to be, I guess, as a Villa fan, worried about the, the big sale that happened and yeah. the big playmaker going off to Man City and, and doing the job there and scoring in the Champions League and being all jealous and whatnot. But Leon Bailey, John, I feel like, dare I say, don't think we're missing a trick. I think we, we look okay. We, we are not the same team. We're probably not as good, but we're good enough. I feel with Leon Bailey. Yeah, I think it's, I, I, I don't understand how he's stayed in the Bundesliga for that long, considering the guy's no secret. We haven't picked him up from Jenk or Gent. He's come from Bayer Leverkusen playing the Champions League, ripping it up in the Bundesliga for three or four years now. And I, I was stunned to see 30 million on the table, done deal. Mm. It, almost, it was almost too easy. Everton have obviously been linked with him for a couple of seasons now as well. But as Ash says, like, it's pace, but it's pace with purpose. Like, when, from where he picked the ball up with, it, with his head, um, against him for that goal, it, that, that he made it look so easy. He takes it on his head, a couple of yards. He was only jogging really, and then he steadies himself, hesitates, clean, you know, middle of the bat, bang, begging with no chance. So it's uh, it, he makes it look very simple, and I think obviously there's more to come. We've only seen him for like what an hour, mm. um, but he's, he's one of those players. Ash is like he's, he's going to scare so many defenders this season. Obviously, in the last couple of years, you have a player like Grealish who can take the ball and attract players. Um, which frees up space for you know uh, strikers and midfielders, but Bailey does that in a different way. He's always going to be occupied by um by defenders. You see it with like Ismaili Saffa Watford. He's their biggest threat. He's out on the wing, but all the players are attracted to him, worried about him. They forget about the other players that come inside. So um, you look at how we're going to set up with Watkins and Ings. You have got John McGinn behind, um, and obviously Emi Buendia, club record signing. So we you've really got a, a really good spread of quality there. Um, as you say, it's it's pace, but it's 
serious pace that can really hurt a team. It's not just pace for the you know the sake of it. So we, we got you know relatively quick players, but not no player that can really carry the ball like what uh, Bailey can do, and obviously have a really good um, end product as well. What a pass from Danny Ings as well. I think. Oh yeah. Podcast prior to this, Ash, we said no impact. Like wow, not yeah. it was all it was almost yeah. the off the ball stuff, you know, like the pressing, mm. the the just being the physical presence to make Chelsea think twice. Yeah, here you had a, a bit more. What what was the difference between Chelsea Ings and Everton Ings? Yeah, I mean, I think he was frustrated at the weekend as well against Everton. He was quite quite quiet up until the hour, but his, his graph was unreal, wasn't he? Dropping in that that ten pocket, he stopped Allen from playing, so he, he sacrificed himself for the team. So he allowed like McGinn and Ramsey to have a bit of a free role in midfield, or Douglas looked after the other one. So very selfless from from Ings at the weekend. He was tracking back in onto the left back and right back slots and winning winning balls in front of the touchline. The Trinity Rose down were loving it, and he put in real team shift. And I think that, that's the, that's the consensus now. Most group, it's a team now. Um, we've seen that in the, the scenes afterwards as well in the dressing room. I think Martin has posted a photo as well. Really close it's grouped together. I think things was building the culture. Culture takes a long time to build and. Obviously, you know about the main man, the one-man tag uh, slapped across him over the last couple of seasons. But that's that's that, that, that's gone now. And there's a real team ethic in there, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm right behind that, you know. And Danny Ings is a key member of that team, and he's a, he's a decent start. Five games, two goals, a couple of assists as well. He's got his numbers are there. Um, and I mentioned this in the piece of the week. I think Watkins and Ings will get their reward sooner rather than later. They deserve it. I mean, they had one shot between them at the weekend, but it was about the other goals, wasn't it? Cash coming in. Bailey doing his bits, and ne- next week could be Watkins and Ings doing their bits. So they're all chipping in. I like the team ethic. I, I, love, I love to get behind the team, and the team are getting behind, and the fans are getting behind that team. So that's going to bode well for the season. Week in, uh, playing games week in, week in, week out. They win together, they lose together, but they've got, they've got got some thoughts about them, I think, and they showed that against Everton at the weekend. I think well, who exemplifies that fight more? I'm trying to think. Danny Ings had a good tackle, didn't they, on that touchline? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Don't expect that from. I mean, Danny Ings is Danny Ings. He does a lot, but you you, yeah. you wouldn't you know, put that on Ollie Watkins. Is Ollie Watkins doing that? I bet he would if you're given the chance. But 100%. it was uh, it gets people to their feet, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Man to speak about the for both of you, Tyra Mings. I think a um, lot of you know criticism came in. I think I saw. Um, Pete, the mad Canadian Villa fan, who does the uh, who does yeah. the expert analysis of the of the Premier League, and he he picked apart Tyrone Mings' mistake and highlighted loads of reasons. And you yeah. should go watch that rather than me kind of nick that analysis. But you know, he he had to, in the eyes of many, a point to prove. Did he prove it, John? Yeah, I think whenever a player makes a mistake, it's always Tyrone Mings is the one that people pick out. But he's always the one that's coming back from a mistake. But yeah, and you'll you'll never see him. You know, coming out after an interview on the game, or going on Twitter saying, "Oh, you know, that's that's why you know we shouldn't be um you know berating our players or whatever." He he'll, he'll do it in silence. He'll do his talking on the pitch. Um, it's only when a little mistake might happen, and that's when um you know he gets he gets a bit of battering for it. And I don't understand why because he's our captain. And he's he's been he's been brilliant for us in the last three or four years ever since he made his debut against Reading. You saw right there. That's a player. And coming to the Premier League, he's an England international. Kept how many clean sheets for England whenever he's been playing as well. So it, it's lost on me. I don't understand it, and I don't think many Villa fans do. To be honest, um, he's a brilliant player, Tyrone Mings, and he's he's a. I don't think we could have a better leader of the club, a better club captain, for so many reasons. But if we're focusing just on the pitch as well, he's a brilliant footballer, brilliant defender. Um, more interceptions and blocks combined than any other player I think um, in Europe's top five leagues since the start of last season. Like that's mental. 
that's that's a lot of players, um, and for a centre back as well to do that, um, it's not just a grafting midfielder. He's, he's a yeah, he's, he's, he's a he's a he's a he's a brilliant player, and yeah, brilliant that he's a those with Villa and he's our captain. Heroic performance from the captain then, um, Ash, in, in, in I guess to kind of sell it in the, the headline way, it's uh, from a zero to hero, I guess, even though, you know, there's still debate about what happened at Chelsea. Yeah. Fantastic against Everton. Literally, yeah. I mean, it means plays his best football and no nonsense, gets rid of it. I mean, steams into players, don't, don't have to, doesn't have to think too much and just hoops, get, get it away, wins headers, blocks, interceptions, like you're saying. Yeah, I mean, he let, let one ball bounce at the weekend and a couple of the press box went, oh, there he is again. I thought, that's it's one time and it gets highlighted too often for me. And But like I say, what it means just gets rid of it. No nonsense. We'll play it higher up the pitch. Yeah, that's where he does his better work. And he, he, was, he was riding out the, the back line at the weekend as well. He tried the crossfield pass to Wings. It did almost come off. And yeah, I've got no problems with Wings either. I mean, I rate him really highly. It gets a lot of flack unnecessary from me as well. But like I say, I think he plays his better football when he when he doesn't have to think too much and just, just no nonsense, gets rid of it and uh, gets to build up the pitch. And that's the way to go. I think Conte play, plays the same as well. Takes, takes no risks. And um, yeah, I was pleased with the defence at the weekend. They managed it quite well against um, Townsend, Gray and Rondon. So yeah, long may that continue as well. It's kind of wild to think, um, of course, obviously with the absence of Jack Grealish and how much of the game went through him. How much of the game seems to go through Conza? And, and Mings and you know Twanzebi as well as that back three. Yeah. Um. You talk about taking the handbrake off. Ash, is, is that Mings and Conza's job? Are they the, in the driving seat in in regards to everything Villa do? Because it seems that way against Everton. It's like they are the the new midfield almost. That yeah. back three is they're the guys that are going to win the game or lose the game essentially. What what do you think of? I think I know like Dean Smith said is the impetus was on them to step up and, yeah. and you know, Cons and Mings were, were, were named, I think, yeah. to step up and start those attacks more often. Was that the kind of galvanising change? That's what, he wanted, that's what he told them at half-time. He wanted them to step out more. He calls them the outside centre-backs, which is quite a nice name for them. Um, <laughs> obviously, meant, meant Cons and Mings. Step out from the back, get, get Villa higher. And that's where Villa's first goal come from. If you look at Conza, he played the ball down to, to Ings and then Douglas Louise plays it to Cash and Villa are in. So... If you squeeze higher up and get, get bodies further further forward, it causes the opposition to think so. I mean, Villa can't get done from now and again on, on counter-attacks. If, if the ball is misplaced with Villa high, they'll get done on the break. But I think the handbrake is off. I think Villa are going to be brave this season. Um, they're going to look to outscore teams. And I think that, that's the way they'll go. They've got quality to do that now. They've got quality to, if they are goal down, what we've seen at Stanford Bridge, they'll come again and look to equalise and, and take the game to the opposition. So... Yeah, I think that would be the mantra Villa will go for this season. They want to attack, attacking options. And I mean, Watkins and Ings, two marksmen there, bags of goals in them. So why not? Yeah, it seems like Mings and Cons, especially, are having a lot yeah. of fun with their role. And I, I mean, maybe that contributes to some of the stuff like you saw against Chelsea um, with Mings. But they seem to, you know, the fact that it's so involved in the attacking set, that they are the, the front and centre of those attacking set pieces. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, as a defender, when you know how you see how the roles progress, you know, from years and years ago, you were lumping people and lumping the ball up to yeah. being essentially the playmaker, the captain, the distributor, the, yeah. the last line of defense. You know, I think it probably goes unnoticed how much not just rest on Mings, but Konza, Tonzebi, and how much of a that, that back three, back four, back five, whatever it turns into be, how much rest on them. Matt Target can be an unsung hero, players player of the season last year. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
but Mike Cash was the uh, the main man, John. Uh, what a way to score your first Villa goal, eh? I mean, he scored some belters. I mean, we've got, I've covered Nottingham Forest. I think I covered them when I played back. He's and he scored, you know, right back scoring yeah, that goal. Yeah. I know he, his history is all across. You know, the, he's been winger, striker, midfielder, and now he's fullback. But he, he's a guy who can you can seemingly do it all. And he lapses there, like every Villa player. You know, in, in 2021, every play, Villa player has lapses. But what a way! you know, to score, you know, unlock the game, do it, and he's done it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, love, I just love the celebration as well. Like, he ran the length of the pitch, celebrated his family. He's it a knee slide. I've went off like two minutes. He's <laughs> um, a brilliant goal as well. I think it's, the wing-back system suits Matty Cash, um, just as it does Mings and Cons. But I think him especially, to say yeah. James, he's played, he's covered pro- probably most of the pitch, actually, um, in the last 10 years of his um, career, development career. Um, up until now, is a wing back's probably his best position because um, he's all energy. I think when we signed him, we all expected him to be that guy that doesn't stop running, um, mm. and that's exactly what he can be in a wing back. Uh, in a wing back role, and he has that defensive security going the other way as well because we've got Ezra Concert behind him. Um, he's played right back for Charlton for a couple of years, um, and then you've got Mings as well, who played left back for Bournemouth. So you've almost, as Smith said, outside um, centre back, so you can play full back. So it works really well. Obviously, still like Sheffield United with overlapping centre-backs, that sort of thing. I'm not saying we're going to be doing that, but it's a really good um, blend there. And so, especially for Matty Cash, because um, he can get forward. Um, you can, I think a couple of his deliveries weren't particularly um, up to scratch, but I think that's something that you can work on. And uh, if, if you keep getting in the right positions, as he did, um, we'll get the uh, rewards for that. And he's a brilliant finish as well with his left, his left for his weaker foot. Um, that's not something that I've seen before on his on his um, weak side. I don't think he's played on the left side Um before Matty Cash, or even at Nottingham Forest. So, um, yeah, brilliant goal and brilliant movement as well. I think the pass from Douglas Lloyd was yeah. superb. I, think. I don't think it's one of those passes where you wouldn't even have seen it um, if you didn't play it. If that makes sense, you wouldn't have heard, heard the Villa Park crowd <laughs> yeah. give a moan because no one saw it apart from <laughs> Douglas Lloyd. One, one, um, one touch left foot, and then Matty Cash is away and brilliant finish. Yeah, I think a lot of hard work was done in that, that last. It was a kind of beautiful move all around, but Douglas Lloyd. Yeah. Five chances he made. So that was in terms of your, your teams outside your big six, your top six. That leads the pack, you know, and there's some big names in there, of course. Um, most of them, a few of them fairly playing against us and <laughs> making fewer chances. So more advanced role um, for Douglas Louise, Ash, and Marvellous Nakamba back to kind of fine form as well. So kind of going back to the midfield conversation, Douglas Louise, is that more, do you see him more kind of stepping up now or is it? Nakamba, you know, Nakamba's defensive midfielder is Douglas Louise going to come back to the defensive midfielder because I felt like he wasn't really, really exciting, but he did a really good job of it, Douglas Louise. I thought when you naturally, when you think of a player stepping from a six to eight to ten, you think, oh, they're going to, you know, essentially be like, uh, you know, Totti <laughs> for, for Lionel yeah. Messi or Michi for, you know, they're going to take the, the whole handbrake out is off that, you know, they're going to ball out. It's not always the case. Um, sensible from Ramsey, sensible from Louise, sensible from the camber, not without flair. Ramsey almost scored for it, for example. And Douglas Louise, that one touch kind of, it's just like, it was almost like a, a metal bar that, that, that bounced the ball off. It was just really like really delicate, gentle kind of pushed him in, but yeah, really kind of intriguing about those midfield options again. So what does it look like, kind of not not Chelsea because it's a League Cup match of rotation, more so Manchester United? How does how does that work for you? McGinn come back in, Louise come back at the back, Ramsey stay as the kind of attacking one. What, what, what's the balance in your head? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? How about mentioned for Nakamba's little pass? I think his left foot's still pinging for it to target. It's 
unreal, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Incredible, that one. That one sticks out. But just talking about Douglas Louise there, I really liked his work this season. I mean, he's such a good ball player. Um, he's, he has got that Samba style. I mean, keeps the ball lovely. Knows how to caress it. Knows the way to pass. And um, I, I prefer him a bit further forward. But he can, he can do he can do both, can't he, James? I mean, he played that yeah. six for, for a long old time for Villa. Now. He's done a job there. Nick Ambry's probably more, more apt at doing that, but I think Douglas Wee's better on the ball. But Nick Ambry had a, had a faultless showing when he came on from the beginning of the weekend. And it'd be interesting to see how Villa line up now with a man you saw the weekend. I played with Fred and McTominay in there with Fernandez ahead of them, and they've got Pogba and stuff to, to deal with. So, so yeah, it all depends on if McGinn begins fit. I expect he would be, um, given the concussion injury, but we'll soon see. But there's options there. I think in the week against Charlton, I think. And Wednesday, I think Nick Campbell will probably play, get some minutes in the tank against Chelsea's starting lineup, and we'll go from there. But options are plenty, James, and nice dynamic to have. I think Douglas Reeves can play a variety of roles. I think McGinn's coming to his own this season. Why? Because he's playing further upfield. That, that, that for me, if you're giving license to squeeze and press from the front, but before, I think he's had the shackles around his ankles, you know what I mean, playing that defensive two, you know, in that 4 2 3 1 shape that they played. So the system's benefiting McGinn. Like John said, benefiting cash and, and others. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens at the weekend. Are they, are they fitting the dynamic against Man U? So, yeah, intriguing to see. And um, see how we'll line up on Wednesday. With all of this talk and excitement about Douglas Louise doing Douglas Louise things, we haven't even spoken about the second goal, which was probably one of the better goals you'll see at, at Villa Park, bar the little caveat that it was an own goal, because the vast majority of people, myself included, assumed that Leon Bailey had sent a corner kick straight in, um, which would be, yeah. the, you know, that that was honestly deflation, finding out that it was, it, it come off Dinya's head. So barely, I mean, if it hits, he's like quiff and goes in. Is that really, you know, an own, I don't know, I don't make the rules, but I feel like you should give that one to Leon Bailey straight in. Um, and it was deflation, finding out that it was an own goal. So yeah, if there's only one kind of smudge on, on, on the result. The fact that we don't even get to call that, the, the great goal it was it was a uh, was an own goal but what was your kind of thoughts on that that John and Ash I wanted to go to John first because uh, I think that's the first time I've seen that and I know it's not directly from the corner but it's someone I've always wanted to see at Villa Park yeah I'm, I'm surprised it didn't actually get awarded to Bailey because I think he was going in I'll have to see the replays a couple of more times yeah. but I guess an own goal is probably safe enough um no, I think Begovic probably just got caught out by the um, the flight of the ball in some ways. I think, and obviously Dinier as well probably thought it was a little a couple of inches taller to um, clear the ball away. But it's a wicked delivery. And I think we, we kept going for that near post, didn't we? Um, clearly, again, McPhee's, McPhee's isolated that as a weak point for Everton. Um, perhaps thinking that Pickford was going to be in goal. Um, perhaps because, obviously, no one knew that Begovic was going to be in the sticks. So, um, no, I, th- I think it's, you know, again, it, we, we deserve that reward because we ke- we kept trying it. Um, we've clearly again identified it before the game, so we we deserve that reward. And um, again, Bailey's delivery as well, really good. It wasn't just that free kick as well. I think probably uh, went only twenty minutes, and obviously against Watford as well, the assist for McGinn. Um, really technical player, and just staggers you kind of again. Thirty million in his at Villa Park. It's you know he's going to be a top player, and if if he can get um, his fitness up and start putting some ninety minutes together consecutively, I think we'll have a real player there, and we're shoot, shooting up the league. Um, you know, in no time, dead balls. Um, he scored three free kicks as well um, by Leverkusen in two years, I think it is. Um, two against Bayern Munich as well. So you're obviously losing out on Ward Prowse, who's probably one of the best in Europe, to be fair. But then you've got a, 
an exponent there of a dead ball in Bailey, you know, off the ball, brilliant and on the ball as well. So, yeah, it's, you know, exciting times. Any questions asked in the press box about that goal? Ash, um, bit of chaos straight in. Who did it come off? Um, yeah. What was going on there for you? Well, yeah, we have to watch a replay. We have to watch a replay in front of us and nicked off Dean's head. But I seen it last week in Stanford Bridge. This is a purpose attack by Villa. John McGinn was on for a corner kick duty that way. He just piles it in on the keeper. Basically, I think he's basically told to shoot. It's as hard as you can at the keeper, the corner. Yeah. Make, him, make him work for it. And if he spills it, Villa, Villa are going to pounce. So I think that, that's McPhee. McPhee ball again. He wants the corners in to test the keeper at pace. And look what can happen. A little glance, a little nick. It goes in. Um, so hard to defend against. And I think Douglas Sweet tried that a few times. And McGinn, McGinn, uh, Mings went close, didn't he? Begovic palming that away. So... That's a, that's a, that is a tactic Villa are looking to do with corners now, just to, to get it on the money, make the keeper think, make the keeper work. And um, if you get to Nick, it's going to go in, isn't it? As we've seen at the weekend. So that is, we'll see that again this week and next. <laughs> For this hard conversation, it seems like Villa just, you, you know, you mentioned Danny Ings. You've got to think about Ollie Watkins, Danny Ings. Oh, man. You know, Toro, Toro Mings, there's three cons. And then, you know, John McGinn's just belting the corners directly at you. you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Just... <laughs> Makes uh, everyone's life a misery if you know for the opposition. Um, but Martinez on the other side of things, probably really comfortable. You know, had to be a comfortable clean sheet for me. It was it on the red eye flight, two a.m. in the morning, whatever. Back to <laughs> BHX, yeah, whatever he's had to do to get you know around this mad, mad, mad situation. Um, what's in the, what's the lives on Ash, on that Ash? How was the the diary looking for Martinez on that day? Oh, yeah, fancy. Oh, I've got to ask you about the diary because he didn't do anything really on the pitch, did he? <laughs> no. I asked Smith um, at Chelsea when are the two back and he said he didn't know. But uh, he just kept that holding from me in the end. But yeah, two in the morning, Martin has spilled the beans in the end and 15 hours before kickoff. So yeah, he did well. Um, I, th- I thought everyone knew Martin would come straight back in and would, would do on the bench. So yeah, he didn't have too much to do apart from watching Gray's effort just, just whistle wide and then Villa went on the front foot. So, yeah, I mean, he's back now, thank God. And in a couple of weeks now, there's another international break. So, see what happens there, I guess. And, yeah, I think Argentina has still got another 10 World Cup qualifiers to do. So, it's just deflating, isn't it? Not, are they going to miss him again now? Or, so, yeah, bit, bit, I think Dish was asked about that at the weekend as well. He says, nothing we can do. We'll, we'll see, what, see what the situation is with the government and whatnot. So, hopefully that doesn't happen again. It was a bit farcical, wasn't it? But it's done now and they're both back and, they're both training well ahead of the two games coming up. Yeah, English people getting mad at Argentina. It's a story <laughs> as old as time, isn't it? Um, with Martinez, I say he didn't do anything on the pitch. That's not a dis- you know that's not a negative against him. It's that he had one shot on target against him. I think it was that Andrew Townsend. Just you know, he's already yeah. had his wor- world quota for the month, hasn't he? So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just curled it straight into his palms. But John, the defense looks so better with him, and that you know Jed Steer coming. Yeah. Wasn't exactly, you know, he came in from the cold and he hasn't played a great deal of football. Um, you can see the difference with Martinez, the distribution, the quality, the, you know, the, the lack of threat from the opposition. He seems to nullify it a lot. And people thought, would he kind of hit the heights of last season? Early doors, yeah. It's another clean sheet for Villa. He's an international player now. He's a, you know, a Copper America winner. So he's got a lot of his under his belt since, uh, you know, he's relatively short time at Villa, but, you know, he, he came in. You can see the, the quality. Did he? Did he help that back three at all? For, in your eyes, yeah, he, he breeds confidence, doesn't he? You know, he's he's a player that is probably one of the most. I think Ash said in pre-season, um, probably the most important player we have in terms of you know on the pitch. 
he could be a captain um, as well as Mings, but he's he's, he's got it. He's got that influence that you can't buy. Um, he's irreplaceable. Um, we know Jed Steele's a good goalkeeper in his own right, but are you even looking at that Tyrone Mings mistake against Chelsea and you just think, well, is Emi Martinez a couple of yards higher? Um, you know, just ah. When he's missed, it's a big miss. And I think that's, that's, that's the measurement for me. Um, when he's in going, doesn't have anything to do. You can't say anything about it. But when he's not there, that's when you can make your evaluation about um, Martinez. And we've obviously seen that against Chelsea. Um, and will we see it again um, a couple of more times this season? As you say, with Argentina having more World Cup qualifiers, hopefully not. Um, but no, he's a top goalkeeper. And, you know, you dare I say it, I'm, I'd worry, to be honest, with every other transfer window that comes around now. Um, in the summer windows because he's, he's one of the best keepers in Europe. It, you know, it's, simple, it's as simple as that. He's one of the best in the Premier League. So, um, yeah, we're, we're very lucky to have him and it's a good thing that he loves the club and, it is, uh, and that we're probably helping him, out, helping him out as well with the Argentina stuff, you know, letting him go. Exactly. Um, it's almost, it, it's a bit of a favour, isn't it? Um, yeah. Something for him to say, you know, Villa trust me and they'll let me do my thing and I'll repay him on the pitch and try and uh, realise the club's ambitions, you know, reflecting of his own because he wants to get to the top as well, Martinez and, um, as Emi Buendu as well when he joined us so the club's clearly got a project with it and hopefully he'll, he'll stick around for that um, but now at the moment you know, he's a top goalkeeper and you know he's, he could claim more than 15 clean sheets this, clean sheets this season if he uh, you know if, if, we, if we put a mind to it obviously a bit of a slower start this season where it was last season in terms of clean sheets um, but now I think, I think we'll be in and around that number again yeah, trying to at risk of clawing more to- um, talking points out of a, a great win, but I think it's time to briefly uh, jump on the next two matches. Chelsea, so this podcast comes out today on a Monday, 20th of September. We play Chelsea in the uh, Carabao Cup tomorrow, which is a, a difficult game to assess because there should be some rotation, Ash. Um, but to, to sum it up, what do you see kind of Villa looking like? I think in terms of your, your first team, as I think Wendy is probably back in, in your eyes, right, Ash? I say so. Yeah, I think he needs needs um, need, needs some minutes. I think Ben there starts for me. It's a cup Villa love. I, I'm always up for the cup. It's a cup Villa can win. We got close to it in 2020. Obviously losing to Man City. We enjoy this cup. We won it five times. Got a good history in it. I, I, I like it personally. It's a great chance to win some silverware, and hopefully they can do that this season. The only bad side of it, got a bad draw here, really. Stamford Bridge. I see some of the players Chelsea didn't even bring on against Tottenham. The likes of um, Ziyech, Hudson Adoy, Chilwell didn't even get on. And we've got Timo Werner probably apply. And so Chelsea will be strong. It's, it all depends on how, how strong Villa wants to be, knowing they've got an early kickoff on, on Saturday against Man U. So for me, it's a good chance for some of the squad players to come in. Um, I think Morgan Sanson, he didn't even make the squad last week in Everton. He was on the pitch afterwards, though, doing some running work with, with, with Jack Sharkey. So I think he, he he needs some minutes. Forty million pound player there. I think he needs some minutes. The Camber plays, um, and yeah, I think Two and Ivy plays. Obviously, he can't play the weekend, so he's he's a nailed on starter as well. It's whether whether, whether Smith drops the likes of Mings, Kansa, and others. Um, interesting, interesting dynamic. The fans are split down the middle regarding squad selection wise. I don't know what you guys are thinking, but a bit a, bit, a bit of mix of both. I mean, would, would would Archer start for you up front, or would you would you? You keep Watkins up there probably, and I probably I could probably see a change of shape as well. I can't see Villa playing the three centre backs for this one. You know, mix mix and match, try and get your Torres, Algarz, and Buendia's in behind the front man, and probably playing the Cameron Sanson in the midfield, and probably go to a back four. But I don't know. It all depends on why Smith sees his competition, and obviously with a big game this weekend against Man U, with it being the early kickoff as well, I think I think changes will be a plenty. But I think Villa got a good squad now, haven't they? 
Is Stanton in place to, to prove themselves? Yeah, I think, uh, John, what do you think about Cameron Archer starting? Because he's had a, <laughs> he's had a bit of a funny hand. played since scoring a, an unexpected yeah. hat-trick. I mean, you know, Cameron Archer, in terms of the youth products at Villa, probably the one that nobody was really keeping an eye on. Brad Young shot into ascendancy from, you know, outside Louis Barry. You've always had the high-profile names. Cameron yeah. Archer is someone who's really kicked on all of a sudden, though. Yeah. Um Probably not to, you know, probably to some people who are keeping a close eye on uh, Solly Holmore is probably, uh, you know, 1% of our, our current audience who are watching every game. We can uh, kind of clue us <laughs> up in it. But, you know, he's he's come on a long way and it's a, it's a tough gig for him. You know, you've, you've bought Caleb Chukwameka in. Carney's, um, Carney's probably who can, who can play up front. You know, Wesley, Keenan Davis, um, Danny Ings, Ollie Watkins, of course, ahead of him as well as, as Brad Young, Louis Barry. So all of a sudden it's like everything's come up Cameron. He scores a hat trick. He's about to be brought on in a, in a Premier League game. There's an injury. He can't be brought on in a Premier League game. Then we get Chelsea, and it's like this is a good chance to win. Do we want to play Cameron Archer at front? And um, there's been there's been no chances for him since he deserved a chance. Yeah. Uh, John is what I'm trying to say. Do you think he he comes in? Do you think it's a back three and you play two up front? Archer's one of those two, uh, and you play yeah. Ings or, or Watkins, or is it a, a single single player? Is it Archer just up front or Watkins, like uh, Asher suggested? I'd, I'd be playing Archer if it's a two up front for sure, because um, I don't think you can play Ollie Watkins in uh, and um, Danny Ings um, together just because of, of you know match minutes. And Ollie Watkins only come back from injury a couple of couple of weeks ago, and obviously Danny Ings' history with injuries isn't brilliant. Um, and I don't think it's needed again. Cameron Archer, you know, he deserves that chance. Uh, if we're playing one up front, which I think we will, probably a four-three-three revert back to what we were doing last season. El Ghazi, Troy around the wings, and then one through the middle, probably uh, well either Watkins or Danny Ings. Um, and then Archer will get his will get his minutes, but I'm sure he was probably maybe he was slightly disappointed with getting Chelsea. Um, sounds a bit silly, but he, yeah. if that's uh, if that's another team, um, any other Premier League team, really, I think he probably will be starting Cameron Archer because we're not. If I think you should say there, James, we're not particularly um, well stocked with centre forwards. You know, Keenan Davis uh, was going to go on loan and now has an injury, and then you've only got your Watkins and your Danny Ings. So if one of those two gets injured, you know, there's there's a big um, possibility that Cameron Archer gets much more minutes yeah, than what he would have expected at. It's Quite bizarre deep. for him um, because he was going to go out on loan like in Davis and he's had it kind of exactly. kind of capped. So it's like you've made the best worst case scenario. You're not going to get your senior football match as much as you, you probably thought you would. Probably starting, I guess, for League One, if not chat if championship team. So, you know, but yeah. there's no better way to to start your your career like like Chuck and Mecca and, and Philogene Bade. So getting senior starts. Um, big on Cameron Archer. Ash, how have you seen his development? Yeah, I mean, he didn't really rip it up at Solio Moores too much last season. I think it was a big learning learning loan for him, um, being amongst a, a group and a dressing room full of blokes, as it were. So, and yeah, I mean, we watched. I was there for his debut against Crew in the Cup. What we're going on now, two years ago now, yeah. and a lot of thought of him then. Um, I think his deal's out this summer coming now, so I don't think he, he wasn't tied down to a long term deal. So they were unsure on him, um, given he's he's much older. I'm saying much older, a couple of years older than Barry and Younger. Another, so I think he's took his chance in the cup. I mean, he looks a real finisher. I, I, I see him warming up now. He looks a good size now. He's matured, got a good pace about him. The young lads call him a little Tevez, um, on his playing style, but uh, yeah, good finisher. D Smith likes him because he wouldn't have picked him two years ago at crew, so he's been, been well locked in that sense. So he deserves a chance for me. I think he'll probably get half an hour at the weekend, uh, in, the, in the week and can show his stuff there. But I think that 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 hatch against Barrow. I think, I think he's made suitors stand up. I think Villa turned away countless offers for him in the, yeah. in the, on, the, on deadline day. So I think highly of him. And um, it's up to him now to take his chance. I mean, he, from what I've been told, he's been really, 
he's in, been impressing in training. He scored a hat trick in a behind closed doors games as well. So, yeah, real finish, good, good finisher, as we said at Barrow, real, real fox in the box finisher. Got good pace about him. I think, like, like John says, I think he, he does play, probably playing a two as opposed to a one. And he, if he plays, he could come on the wing as well. So he's, he's, he's very versatile in that sense. So, yeah, balls in his court to, to kick on. He's in a good place to do so. And these people give him the chance to develop. And yeah, I think. I think we'll see that. I think his his situation will be addressed in January. Does he get the match ball for scoring in the behind the the um behind the closed doors friendly? Yeah, he's already got a match ball anyway, Barrow. So <laughs> he's got a good one. Yeah. I don't like an actual yeah, decent yeah. one, not the, yeah, the, yeah. the fobby off one. Yeah, um, yeah not a monster. <laughs> 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 so um, the final point then Manchester United um, we're going to have a full preview I guess later in the week um, we've got a whole football match to play before we face Man United um, just a quick question back three is it still happening um, we've enjoyed it so far I think it's been alright for us but of course Axel Tranzebi cannot play against Manchester United unless uh, I feel I've hooked up some deal with them but I assume that would have not been a, a good thing for Manchester United to have done um, give a, a competitor an advantage so as far as we can see, Ash, it's going to be back free, not back free all the way because Tranzabi's dropping out, or is it back free all the way? Horse coming in. Which pocket does Ronaldo want to be in concert? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking forward to seeing old Cristiano at the weekend. Good test for Villa. I think they'll be relishing it. At old Trafford, Conte, Mings against their the star studio lineup. So three at the back. Does Courtney Horse come in? That's that's a big question people will ask. So I think we might get might get to see Courtney Horse in action on Wednesday if he does okay there. I think he'll come in at the weekend. I think Smith doesn't want to rock the boat too much. I think he was asked about that prior to kick-off against Everton. He said, we've got good um, looking athletic. We're creating good chances. What have we got to change it for? So he, uh, he snapped back at the, the score report in that sense. So, yeah, interesting. Man, you probably line up, as they always do, 4-2-3-1. I think Villa will look to do- dominate the engine room and, and hopefully um, get, get a, the first win since Gabby scored in 2009. Got a hopeless record there, you know, and that needs to change. One of the only Villa games I chose not to watch. <laughs> I, was like, I can't watch us against Man United anymore, Dad. No, yeah, idiot. It's never beaten, Billy. And <laughs> yeah, hopefully Bruno Fernandez penalty. We don't want one of them. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, it's uh, against West Ham. Um, they were Ronaldo wasn't at his best. Probably the poorest game you'll have scoring a goal and having all the uh the plaudits doing step overs in midfield and like kicking it back to Verona. It's that uh, you know it's 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 the uh. Ronaldo show, dare I say. Um, you looking forward to that kind of matchup, John? Um, tough one for uh, Villa. Yeah, I think it will be very tough. Um, United are a really good team, and so we've got a shocking record against them. And obviously, Ronaldo's playing. Um, any sort of result would be a brilliant result. I think House, Courtney House, just comes in and play far with the back. I think West Ham played really well against them. Obviously, obviously they play with wing backs as well, but they're kind of hard to compare us to them because. The players are so different. They've got two big midfielders. Um, got Declan Rice, yeah, yeah. And very dominant centre-halves as well. Um, so, yeah. it, it'll be a different game, uh, uh, you know, them playing West Ham to them playing us. But I think uh, a wing-back system will probably give us the best chance to get anything, to be honest. Because I think if you go one down against Man United, playing in a playing um, without wing-backs, then you've got a bit of a problem. Because then you've got Sancho, Rashford. Uh, Rashford's not fit, actually, is he? But you've got so much pace on the break for Man United, because that's how Man United have always played. Um so can we just try and shut up shop and then try and take them on the break because we've got so many grafters in the team and obviously going forward to Ollie Watkins Dungings won't give their defenders a moment's rest so no, I think it'll be a good game um, but you know, it'll be a very tough one I think yeah I think we'll save the predictions for your uh, the, the preview later in the week Ash but 
yeah, hope you're uh, looking forward to it. Hopefully we can get one over him at uh, Old Trafford. It'll be, it'll be one for the ages, mate. I think, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we don't beat Manchester United, obviously, for very good reasons. That We've usually been a poor team and they've usually been a good team. It's like, you know, you've got your, your Man City and your Man United. It's almost like the Galacticos and knocking yeah. around. Two Real Madrids, two peak Real Madrids are knocking around in the uh, Premier League, which is bizarre. But you you, you have to play the opposition you're up against. Um, but yeah, uh, just uh, before we get a, uh, we'll get a little prediction. We won't get the full prediction, but uh, win, lose, draw, John. I'll give us a draw. Ash, going going with the momentum. Bailey, speak. We're gonna win it. You're gonna change your mind on your Friday, aren't you? Yeah, we go <laughs> battered by Chelsea. Oh, yeah, don't see us getting the point here. I mean, uh, <laughs> Got <laughs> yeah, I'll go for win. I want us to beat, mate. I really want us to beat Man United. Oh, then Fallen Corner kicks it to higher. He won't know what's hitting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's had his fun saving the penalty. Mark Noble yeah. coming on. He's had a little, you know, circus. Now it's time for the real deal, mate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Jumping corners. corners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well uh that, that's it for today thank you very much for joining me and uh john and ash uh you, you know where to follow us at this point if you don't know it's in the description of course john's got his uh at john townley 11 mine's at jamie rushton ashley priest is of course at priest observer as always you can find us at claret blue claret blue pod and yeah we'll be back with a uh podcast after chelsea we'll have a little bit before chelsea and of course we'll have a uh, manchester united preview as well so uh keep tuned and uh we'll see you later and up the villa Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.